Hey everybody, this is Nikki and welcome back to the block uh, with James Ballantine. Uh, this is episode three. Hey James. How is it going today? <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I want to say to everybody, welcome back to the block. Um, it's, again, it's a podcast that we like to go over. Uh, again, my block, your block. It's all about bettering our blocks, bettering, working with each other to build better communities. So... Welcome back to the block, and this week we're going to go over a few things. We want to discuss um, the importance of voting. Uh, realistically, is last week we went over the DA and the importance of knowing each individual um, you know, person that you're voting for and the job titles and what those job titles do. But, you know, when I sat back and actually did some thinking... And went over a lot of our history in this country. It made me realize that there are some very important key points that a lot of people don't really know. I asked my nephew, actually, the other day, um, did he know what uh, a lot of the, what Jim Crow was and the black code laws? He was like, uh, I know it was something that was bad. And so... That really opened up my eyes is we're leaving out a lot of history. One, our history is not being taught in schools, but also we're not doing a good job of actually letting our youth know about this history. So I kind of wanted to go over uh, a lot of stuff of how we got to this point, why voting is so important. And if we don't vote, what could potentially happen but also understanding what the civil rights movement and what these people were actually going out and fighting against. And a lot of this had to do with voting and laws that were passed because we had no representation within those laws. Um, so that's our focus of what we're going to talk about this week. Um, also want to kind of touch base on something that actually happened just recently. Um, and it also ties back into a podcast for last week. But something that really uh, stuck out to me early today, I, I read a lot of books. Uh, slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. That's Frederick Douglass. He said that in 1865. And so for our ancestors to know how important the ballot and voting was and for us to not take advantage of it and not you know, appreciate the sacrifices that these men and women made for us. We're doing them a disservice and we're doing ourselves a disservice as well as future generations a disservice. So let's get started. <laughs> yeah, let's get started. So uh, we normally have a, a little spot at the beginning of the podcast about what happened this week. However, because we're already into the subject matter, we're going to leave that for the end. Oh, absolutely. How about, so, yeah, tell us. So, something I want to also touch base, something that just recently came to light. I had a, a really good friend check on me this morning um, because there was a shooting at a Black Lives Matter uh, protest here in uh, Austin. Uh, is where we're locally uh, located at, where uh, someone who wasn't happy with the, the protest and the protests that are continuing to go on throughout the country, um, letting people know that we're not going to give up these rights. We're going to continue to push um, no matter what the current administration says, does. These are topics and a subject that we're not going to let up on. Um, but uh, an angry 
anti-protester, if you will, um, got a little upset that the protest was blocking the the street and the road and decided to take out his gun and shoot somebody. Unfortunately, that person did lose their lives um, during that incident and the person is in custody. But what goes back to it is that knowing the DAs and knowing the people you uh, you actually vote for, because it's now up to the DA to determine if she's going to bring this guy to trial or is it going to try to be swept under the rug or whatever have you, or is it going to be found as something that's possibly justifiable? But it actually ties back into last week's podcast and importance of voting, importance of knowing the job titles of the people you vote for, because it's now on the DA's head or on her desk uh, to decide whether what what's going to happen going forward with this case and this potential murder um, of this protester. Uh, but we'll only time will tell. But. If you're in and around the Austin area, that's, you know, the person you need to actually be reaching out to and their office, their desk to say, hey, this person needs to be brought to trial. We want to see some results and action on this. So understanding what Jim Crow and the right to vote and everything is. All right. So understanding is a lot of us have this misconception. That, hey, you know, after the Civil War, you know, Lincoln came in. He was like, yeah, man, we're freeing the slave. Emancipation Proclamation. I'm, you know, President Lincoln, we're doing this. But if we know the history, what happened to President Lincoln five days after all of this, he was actually shot in the head and killed. The person who took over office, Johnson, guess what he was? He was actually pro-Southern rights. And state rights. And so for those who want to do the arguing of what state rights actually meant and so forth, I tell those people to actually go and read the succession documents of each of these states that were succeeding from the nation, as well as the uh, uh, constitution of the succeeding states, the union or the confederation that they were doing. The confederation only changed one thing from our original constitution. And the one thing that they changed was the state's right to own people. The succeeding documents all said that we're succeeding because they're infringing on our rights to own people. So when anyone tries to defend that the Confederation and the succeeding documents and these is all about state rights. Well, yeah, you're right. It was one right they were fighting for. And I invite you to actually do what I did and not just listen to someone pass on some bullshit knowledge to you is actually go read the documents for yourself and you will actually see, huh, there was only one thing they were trying to succeed for. And that was their right to own people. So understanding that Johnson is the person that actually took over office. He immediately went into trying to bring the country back together. But in order for him to actually bring the country back together, he wanted to appease as he was a southerner and he owned plantations and his friends owned plantations and people around him owned plantations. And the southern economy was based on agriculture. 
and the agriculture that they it was completely based on was free labor. The fear was that immediately the South would, their entire economy, their entire way of living would completely be decimated because of, hey, we don't have free labor anymore. So a lot of things that were actually put into place, Jim Crow laws, black code laws. So let's discuss some of those. Um, So you can actually get a picture of what, these people who fought because now understanding that the civil war wasn't a war that just white people fought against each other. The slaves on both sides and were promised whether you were fighting for the Confederacy or where you were fighting for the union were promised their freedom, no matter who won. Hey slaves, we're going to free you guys. We're going to keep other slaves, but we're going to free you guys if you fight for us. So even on the southern side, which is the Confederate side, yeah. they were told if they fought, they would be freed. However, what they were fighting for was still owning people, so they were going to own some other slaves. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it was, you're, you're, you're the good Negroes. Maybe you would go to the house. Maybe you would be, and and that term is, is, is definitely thrown around a lot between what we can classify it as field Negroes and house Negroes. Um, and all that is, is, and when people say that is, uh, so someone who was considered a house Negro got to go and hang out in the house, you know, and what we considered air conditioning, wearing a nice tie, feeding clothes to the master and not out in the, in the, in, in the fields, slaving all day from sun up to sundown, picking fucking cotton, you know, whether it's a hundred degrees outside or 180 degrees outside, you outside picking cotton. So it's not that you had a better life in a sense, or whether you had all these freedoms, you just didn't maybe have to do manual labor. So maybe that's the difference between sitting at a job today, working at a computer, and someone sitting outside working construction. House nigger, field nigger. That's pretty much the difference between it. Everyone still had to do what the master said that he had to do. So after all the Civil War was done and everything else, Johnson immediately... The land that was promised to the freed slaves um, was immediately taken back from these freed slaves and was given back to the southern plantation owners. So the land that uh, these freed slaves that had fought for their freedom and helped the Union win the Civil War, where they were supposed to be allowed to start their own economy and and get on their feet and 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 move forward as a people, was immediately taken back, and so now yeah I have my freedom, but I have no job, I I don't have any land, I don't have any money because I was never given any money during slavery, um but I need to eat. I need to clothe and feed my kids and then do uh, need to do all of these things that we all do and take uh, and you know really realistically take for granted. They needed to do all these things and they weren't given anything to do these things, even though they fought for them. It were immediately within five days of, of winning this war and coming together. Lincoln was assassinated and the person that took over immediately started taking things from them. So... Right off the bat, you're set back. And 
in comes these new laws, these these laws that they we, we refer now today as Jim Crow or what you hear around going on is called black code laws. So when we talk about the right to vote, these things could have been taken or, or could have been voted for and not taken away. As a free, uh, freed man, you never had the right to vote. So all of these decisions were made by people who didn't really give a shit if the slaves, because they didn't really care about slaves in the first place, even though we were considering them free men, they never cared about them. So, of course, they weren't going to make laws to benefit these free people. So the first thing is... Why we say it's important for us to be able to vote is to understand some of the Jim Crow laws. And so right off the bat, in order to vote, <coughs> excuse me, in this country, you had to be literate. Now, if we go back <laughs> and understand that just five days prior and years prior in slavery, it was absolutely illegal to read as a slave. So here comes this law that's set down in the new Jim Crow era, the new what you call it, is right off the bat to say, hey, you need to be a literate person in order to vote because we need to make sure that you're able to do it. It was like, but that was just so you people didn't have a right to vote. Hey, you, you can't read. So... But it was understanding that this was just illegal prior to then. So why, how could I pass this literacy test and now be able to vote to benefit myself and benefit my rights? So not being able to read was right off the bat one of the tests that they had for people of color. But how this also, it just didn't affect the freed slaves. There were many poor white people at that time that couldn't read either. So they also had to pass these tests and literacy tests. And guess what? The people who were giving the literacy tests, so say you had a slave that actually could read, because they're contrary to belief, a lot of slaves actually could read. It's just something that they actually hid because they knew they could be whipped, killed, murdered, raped, lynched, and a whole number of other things if the master found out that they could actually read. So they hid this. And so they had to go and pass these literacy tests in the South with people who were given the literacy tests. Many of them were known KKK members, uh, you know, and against the slaves. But it was also about money. And so if I'm able to change laws and uh, not... Benefit that necessarily don't benefit me, the landowner and the business owner. Is I'm thinking, hey, I'm the big business owner and I own this plantation, and uh, now I got all these group of people who want to vote for their rights that are now not going to benefit me. How would I spend my money? I.e., lobbyists and things like that that we consider and go on now in today's day. I'm not going to spend my money so that the free man could actually vote. I'm going to maybe give my money to local sheriff's departments and law enforcement and the guys in charge of the ballots and say, hey, I need you to help swing these laws in my direction and maybe not 
pass so many people in the literacy test. Um, and, and, you know, it sounds like, you know, so far fetched that we as this country will be allowing things like this to go on. But it, it's it's there and it's just it wasn't we're, we're not being taught the bad stuff. We, we have really done a good job of sugarcoating our history and, you know, things like this would be classified as something in, in Black History Month when the only thing that's really discussed in Black History Month is Martin Luther King. Right. Um, Martin Luther King's great because uh, he was trying to do everything peaceful. Um, I've said for the longest time, show me a peaceful revolution anywhere in the world um, and I'll wait. And it's just because it really doesn't exist, including our own. Uh, we, we didn't jump, we, you know, Boston Tea Party was not, <laughs> it was like, here's our, our biggest protest, we're throwing, we're going out, we're throwing all this tea in there, we're ro- and we had an American Revolution against the British, and where we went to war to say, hey, we want our freedoms. Um, America really does have the ability, if we are the true democracy that we say we are, to actually do what our constitution says it, 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 it and what it stands for and what the words actually mean. Um, I do find it a little bit of hypocrisy. The men who wrote the constitution uh, actually own slaves. How can you say all men are free, created equal? And then, hey, by the way, nigga, go pick my cotton. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a hypocrisy there. But... It's it's understanding that these words were written and for us being the learned citizens of this country thereafter, we we know the words, we understand the words. Many of us go to schools together. We listen to the same music. And as we see, you know, continuing protests all over the all over the world. So not even the U.S. I think as a collective, we are all kind of fed up with the bullshit. Um, and it's time for us to actually stop pointing the fingers at each other and actually understand that we have a government that's supposed to work for us, the people. And if we are all tired of the bullshit, then it's time for us to make them put their money where their mouth is. You had um, you had told me more um, in regards to the the Jim Crow laws, you know, because I think I think one of the things that you know, and you've already brought it up where it didn't just affect black people. It also affected poor white people. But uh, one of the things that you told me about was how they would charge to vote. Well, absolutely. Um, and that is definitely something I'm, I'm going to hit on real quick as or hit on as I go a little bit long. I know oh, I I'm sorry. A little bit on a, a little bit of a rant. Um, but another law that was considered was a property test. And... Oh, yeah. And so that ties back into literacy and property. Let's be honest, during those times, you know, right after the major property owners were the plantation owners. Um, I came from a family that is, grew up in the Deep South. Uh, my uh, father's family is from Mississippi. My mother's family is from Georgia. Um, I have sharecroppers that were in the family. Um, many of sharecroppers were not just black. There were white and black sharecroppers, and they were essentially tagged and tied to a major plantation owner. And it was just realistically another form of slavery, uh, because if the crop didn't come in, you still owe this money, but you also 
owed this money as a sharecropper. Hey, this is not necessarily your land, but it is your land as long as you can build this crop for me. But there's certain rents and seeds that you have to pay for. And a lot of, <laughs> um, you know, people today get in trouble with that same kind of mindset of these big Monsantos and farm uh, conglomerates that come into these small farming communities and say, we're going to make you rich and we're going to dump in all these uh, seeds and you're going to use our genetics, but we're going to give you these, you know, half a million dollar combines. And now you're realistically into these big corporations for millions of dollars worth of equipment and you only can use their specialized seeds. Think that's, that's sharecropping on a different level. So history doesn't always repeat itself, but it sure sounds awful familiar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 essentially the same thing, except for it's not, you know, it's not Andrew Johnson, the president, who owns this large corporation. It's now Monsanto's and their their shareholders and the CEOs of these corporations that are responsible to deliver, you know. Uh, dividends to all these big multi-million dollar uh, you know families you know that own shares in these companies and their only concern is to their shareholders and they will ride the backs of all small farm Americas and so it, you know it really hasn't changed it's just we changed the vehicle on how we're going to screw people mm-hmm. um, and so now you have property owners so if you one way to get around the literacy test was if you own property. Well, you just got out of slavery. What the fuck you mean? I if I own property, I can vote if I can't read. Okay, strike two. So that basically was a law that was put in place to, again, to prevent people from voting. So it, it not only affected the, you know, the newly freed slaves, it also affected the poor whites in this community or in this country as well. And there are tons of those in there. You have to understand that the elite didn't give a shit what color you are. You're not going to be elite, period. And so you're just poor white trash. They call the other side niggas. They calling you poor white trash. Um, and it, so as you understand these laws and the ways they were just setting them up so you cannot do it. Grandfather clause was another law that was in place. So, hey, if you could pass all of this stuff. And, you know, you can't read your own property. Okay, that we get it. Some of you guys are poor. We still want to give you a voice. Did your grandfather or father vote (laughs) (laughs) prior to this? So, so this law was in place in 1867. So you realize before 1867, every person of color was a slave man. So the answer to it was, fuck no, we couldn't vote before then. So that was just another place, another law that was set into place to keep people from voting. And why we're going over this in such you know extent of how the roadblocks that were put into place to actually stop people from voting is so you understand now, holy shit, and some of these laws... These laws were on the books from the 1900s to the 1960s. So guess what? The civil rights movement was big in ending some of this stuff that actually made people still slaves. And it you know, stopped people from actually getting justice. Stopped people from 
being able to have a voice in the government of the country they live in and are expected to abide by the rules and pay taxes in. And so understanding that is what's going on. And uh, in the South, many of, like to vote for a primary election in the South, you had to be part of a club. That mean you couldn't vote necessarily. It just meant in the primary. So for us that don't know what a primary election is, it's a primary election is saying, hey, we got these three guys that we're going to use to vote. You get a chance to pick out of those three guys who's going to represent our area. So if I'm in an area where, you know, say I'm in an area where it's predominantly black and my voice could be really heard here. If I can't vote in the primary, they can put whoever the hell they want in my area to control what I can and cannot do. And so now I can't even say I don't want him representing my my, my area here. He he doesn't believe in the things I believe in. He doesn't live in my community that I live in. Um, His stance and political views, his parties and everything else that he belongs to is not something that I would get behind. So not being able to even vote in the primary says you don't even have a shot to put the guy in that might be able to go and beat the other guy. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's when, you, it, when you look at a lot of this stuff, and a lot of this stuff still goes on today, um, they practice purging, which we actually still go see happen in today, which is just ways to remove people from the ballot. And they would actually just go in and take people's names off the list. So people who thought they were registered to vote would actually show up to vote and be like, you're not here to vote because you're not registered. Oh, you're not you're not talking about removing people off the ballot. You're, oh, talking, I'm, I'm talking, you're talking about, about removing people off of the registry to actually vote. Correct. So, wow. yeah, so it was essentially, you know, gerrymandering and things like that. That's today's terms of ways of purging. So we're not as blatant as we're just going to say, yeah, Mr. Johnson, you're just off the list. You're not going to vote today. Now we make up certain rules, you know, uh, especially in rural America. And I would say this affects rural America a lot, rural black, rural white America, where chances are a lot of people were actually born at home. So, hey, you need a birth certificate. You know, if you were born in, you know, backwoods, you know, Georgia, you know, coal mining area, uh, where, you know, you had a midwife or something like that, where you might not have an official birth certificate, birth certificate. You can work, you can, you got a social security number, you got all that stuff, but you don't got a birth certificate, birth certificate. You might not be able to go get the correct paperwork to now vote. Um, which, hey, if you're working in this country, you got a driver's license, or if you're here in this country, there we know you're here. There's a way to figure out something. You There's some rule of your existence people can vouch for you and so forth and you should if you're paying taxes here and they expect you to get taxes out out of your paycheck or they're here for your money then you should have a right to say hey you're going to spend my money the way i want you to spend my money Mm -hmm. Um, that's what voting is Um, and which is we're actually seeing this happen today uh and when i say today in today's times Um, So former prisoners, which still goes on today, where former prisoners don't have a a right to vote um, because of felonies and so forth. 
um, state of Florida actually just made it where if you can vote as a former felon, but if you owe fines, you can't vote. Uh, LeBron James is actually, he has an organization that actually is doing some work in Florida to help uh, prior felons clear up and clean up the fines so they actually can vote. And that's just another way of saying we're going to find a way to, so your vote, because considering that there are a lot of felons in Florida that are people of color. And so what we're saying is, hey, people of color, we, we know that you might not vote Republican and we like to keep this uh, state red. So we're going to find a way for you not to vote. And if we believe in our justice system and you are out, meaning you're no longer in prison. So I get if you're in prison, you shouldn't be voting. You're in prison. But if you have done your time and you're out and you're now uh, uh, back amongst everyone and you're not in prison anymore and you're trying to get on with your life, you're expected to pay taxes. You're expected to follow the rules. You should have a voice and how I want to vote. These people are supposedly been rehabilitated based on our justice beliefs and so forth. So if you've been rehabilitated and you should have a right to vote or you're supposed to be out here paying taxes and so forth, you should have a right to vote. We want to have, we don't want to have the revolving door that our prison system is. So when someone gets out of jail, we want to Get them back into mainstream society, which means we want to help them get employed. We want them to start voting and doing things like that so they actually can participate in the democratic process and feel like a citizen that, hey, yes, I I got punished for the crime that I did. I did my time, but I want to move on with my life and move forward. That means we need to start treating them as people that need to move forward with their life and participate in our democratic process. So that whole you're a felon or you can't do this or you can't do that. Either our justice system is about rehabilitating people or just bullshit. I mean, because why why if you're a felon, should you not should you not be allowed to vote if you've done your if you paid your debt to society? Yeah, Yeah, you've paid your debt to society. You've done your time. Why, why shouldn't you be allowed to vote? That just comes back to us not voting. You have to pay taxes. You do. You have, you have to pay taxes. A lot of the times their probation, if they're on probation or part of their parole or so forth, is they have to go get jobs. They have to participate in being good citizens again. Well, part of being a good freaking citizen is voting. Is participating in who represents you and saying, hey, I might have thought I got a harsher penalty than this white guy who did the same crime and me being able to go and stand up and saying, Hey, I don't want this to happen to someone else. is part of the process. Maybe now it's time for me to vote, but circling back around to something that you mentioned earlier was the poll tax. So part of the poll tax was to make people pay to vote. It's tax to vote, um, anywhere from 25 to $50. Uh, which in most of these states were there. I mean, in those times, it was a lot of money. Well, we're talking in the 1800s. Yeah, early 1800s, so, early 1900s, which 20 to $50 was a lot of money. That and was a it, ton of money. It prevented not only the freed slaves, but it also prevented poor white people from voting. Because the $50 is, you know, you know, that might be months and, and months worth of food. And so right. voting or making sure we got food on the table for the next several months. 
it, it really came down to ways that to prevent. So Jim Crow black codes were a way to prevent people from voting. And how it ties back in, these they stopped all of this stuff. So they turned people into a need to actually work. And how they made slavery legal again without our right to vote was they made these people, these newly free slaves, sign labor contracts. So they either, either they were going to be vagrants and vagrants at that point in time, there was a right to arrest vagrants because who wants a bunch of, you know, people out potentially, you know, stealing food and, and with nothing to do. And, you know, we call them homeless people now. <laughs> it's just another term, but and it's no longer legal. But essentially, that's just basically saying, hey, we can round all the, the homeless people up because we don't want them in the room. They're all vagrant and we're all going to put them in jail. We're all we're going to put them in jail or we're going to make them sign these labor contracts. You can't go over here and beg on, on the side of the street corner anymore. Um, so they, they, they signed these, all of these laws into place that were really meant to, if you understand what they were doing, is, is they reconstituted slavery under another thing, under another term. So the 13th Amendment, as everyone knows, oh, that abolished slavery. It says slavery is no longer legal unless... And that's what people need to understand. There's an unless in that clause. It's not the 13th Amendment, which should really just be as simple as, as you could put it. In the United States of America, slavery is illegal. In 13th Amendment. There shouldn't be a bunch of other bullshit. It should just be cut and dry. Slavery, bad, no longer. That's how we're rocking. Slavery is illegal unless you are a criminal. So, bam. Unless you're a criminal. So, we made vagrancy laws to make people criminals again. We also made laws where you couldn't own land. We also made laws where you couldn't have jobs. You couldn't vote. You couldn't do all of these things. And then we said you can be a slave again if you're a criminal. So what they did was make slavery legal under different terms. So when we're not practicing our right to vote, or it's just, eh, you know, eh, it's not important because it's just, you know, local election. It's just, you know, this guy is going to... You know, the Senate, Congress, and, you know, oh, you know, that's just some local judge or something like that. Hello, these are the people who are passing laws for you. This is why this stuff is so important because it prevents stuff like this if we're all paying attention. So understanding labor contracts. So what a labor contract essentially was, was say, hey, Mr. Vagrant, or you can do one or two things. You're eventually going to be hungry. So that means you eventually, like any of us, are hungry, we're starving, um, white people don't really like us at the time, uh, so I can't really sit on the side of a street corner with a cup and begging for food or begging for money, probably get a lot of, of fingers and fuck you, go back to your country, throw stuff, oh shit, it sounds like today. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably got a lot more of it back then. 
And so understanding that you got a lot more of that, that didn't happen. So what ended up happening is a lot of these people actually had to sign or were forced in the labor contract. So understanding what a labor contract essentially was, it's like, hey, you got to go work for this guy. They used to call them master-servant relationships. So they still were referring to the person who was paying as a master and you as a servant to this master. And yeah, on the books in this country, you could still be whipped by your master. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you could be forced to into these servant or into these contracts where if you decided, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, you're in a contract. The answer to that is no. You're now forced to stay into this contract and continue doing this. And for men until the age of 21 and for women until the age of 18. So you could literally be forced in your childhood to work for this person and regardless of the fact until what we considered you as a legal adult and how it usually would work with a lot of this stuff is if your parents were actually arrested because they were trying to, they stole some food because, you know, they were tired of looking at their kids being hungry and eat uh, and they got caught and now you're a ward of the state or, you know, you don't have someone to take you in. If that did happen, um, you could be forced into the labor contracts where you are now bound to someone until you were of legal age, 18 or 21, where they pretty much did whatever they wanted to you. And you had no options and no choices. Um, it, it, it was another way. I, I look when I, when you read a lot of this stuff, I look at it as like, it, it, it's astounding that we had half a country where we had a union coming back together and in order to appease the southern states um, because the southern states were still bubbling and still upset and, you know, they lost and so forth. But, you know, just like any person that loses, I won't say any person, some people lose gracefully. Um, But as we can see today's day, as we see people running around with Confederate flags and Nazi flags and different versions of those flags saying, this is my Southern heritage. These aren't people who took their loss graciously and say, Hey, you know, we lost and we're going to go on because we're part of the United States and we're going to wave our um, stars and stripes and be proud Americans. No, they still got Confederate flags running around. So no, they didn't take the loss. Well, and until they were extremely violent to, you know, the freed, the newly freed slaves. Uh, and, you know, they, that's when you see a, a big surge in uh, the Ku Klux Klan and a lot of their activities that were going on that back then. Um, I still don't understand how in this country, the Ku Klux Klan, um, who is obviously, I mean, we have pictures of them lynching people. So clearly it's a terrorist organization because we have actual photo documentation of it. Uh, and they're, they've been pretty vocal throughout their entire history about who and what they are and what they represent from hating, you know, pretty much everybody who is in Protestant and, and white. Um, so they're, they're, they're pretty much across the board of hating everybody. Um, that's not them. And the violence that they contribute to this country and we still don't label them as a terrorist organization. And we've had several presidents that were, you know, supposedly and hovering around and hanging out with those people. Uh, we do know that the current administration's uh, father was a part of that organization. 
which most likely means he developed a lot of um, bad habits. Let's just call him that. Gasp. Yeah. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> well, as we see what's going on in, in this country today, as he has completely um, led on division, um, and has, you know, there's countless examples of from him showing up to Dallas and not uh, inviting, you know, the chief, the DA, and uh, the sheriff to a, uh, a meeting where he wanted to talk about, you know, policing and uh, the, the changes that he wanted to do in this country, considering the uh, uh, current uh, climate. All three of those uh, individuals who have obviously busted their ass and worked their asses off um, in order to raise it within the ranks to chief of police and DAs and so forth as people of color, but they weren't invited by the president. So all I can do is go by his examples of how he leads um, and his, the way he leads is obviously by trying to divide this country as we're in um a worse state in turmoil than we've been in, in centuries. Or I wouldn't say cent- well, yeah. Uh, but now all of that is necessarily uh, because of his leading um, division. Some of it's just because he's a moron um, and refuses to put a mask on. Uh, and then he, he you know, uh, but it, it's pretty much if he was about bringing everything, everybody together. And again, he, you know, our first uh, black president and, uh, he didn't want to hang their photo in the White House. And again, I can only look at his, you know, his, his behavioral patterns and the way he leads. And I can only make, you know, educate, I won't say, it, you know, pretty educated. Uh, uh, ah. So yeah. here's, here's the yeah. thing. We could get going really deep yeah. down this rabbit hole. I agree. I think, is there... Because I, I think I know the answer to this. Oh. Is is there a book that you would recommend folks to read to learn more about what you've talked about today? With, there there is. And what I'll have to do is, as far as with Jim Crow laws, um, actually, you know, uh, the, the new... I got. I got to look at the name of the book, but uh, it's isn't uh, it the real Jim Crow? The new Jim Crow. Oh, the new Jim Crow. Yeah, the new Jim Crow, and I got to uh, uh, get the author on that book. Um, but she definitely addressed the, what's currently going on in our, uh, you know, prison systems today, and the laws that are essentially affected the prison, and how people of color are disproportionately. Uh, arrested as well as sentenced to higher sentences than white counterparts for the same crimes. Uh, it really breaks down. We just went, we're, again, we're just calling slavery something new and we're, we're going over a different term and it's, you know, private prisons and how can we privatize prisons when prisons are not about profit? They're about, you know, justifyingly um you know punishing someone for something that they did and looking up that that book is the real jim crow by michelle alexander actually it's the new uh, jim crow the, the new it jim is, crow yeah, it is the new jim crow i had actually yeah. written that before the new jim crow by michelle alexander so it, it, that is going to help people understand what's going on in this climate currently 
but it also is going to help you start to look at what is going on, what went on prior to in this country and how it's just, it went from one thing to the next thing. And as we continue to fight um, with the civil rights movement, which the civil rights movement, you know, did away with a lot of these old laws. They were like, oh, well, we can't do that, but we still have the 13th Amendment on the book. Remember, as long as we call people criminals, we can make them slaves again. But that comes down to us. So for all of us that will vote for a president, but we won't vote for, you know, that two year term election because, yeah, you know, it's less glorified. You know, it's not that much media coverage on it. They don't really spend the billions that they do on advertising. Um, they don't have all the debates that we see within the four-year elections. Um, so it's things like this, we have to understand, are coming back to us. And that's one of the reasons why um, I think it's important why I started this podcast when I started to look at today's current climate and also talk to the younger generation, talk to you know my nephews. And my, my nephew is now registered to vote. And he was like, hey, I'm registered in New Year's house. So I want to go with you. Um and so it's kind of cool to kind of get people back into and understanding the importance of something that we left on the table. Uh, many of us with the election of President Obama, it, it really felt like us as a country and, you know, white, black, Mexican, um, as you looked at Obama's um, cabinet and the people he was, you know, putting on his teams and so forth like that. It was pretty all inclusive. It was us saying, hey, we're we're a melting pot. We've been the melting pot of the world and we want to lead this country and understand that we are a global society. Hell, you can be in Japan by tomorrow if you want to. So we're a global society and that means we represent everyone that looks like every demographic across the world. That's what America is. And we were kind of blindsided with thinking that a lot of things have changed. Um, I go to a quote that was like, was like quoting Tupac. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he said that we're not ready for a black president. And for a lot of people of color, we actually, you know, took it as maybe we're not ready as a people to see a black president because, you know, we don't necessarily emulate the behaviors and so forth. But, you know, for a lot of the people and, you know, maybe next week I'll look up the crime statistics of when uh, Obama was in office and so forth. But Obama was a truly inspirational president. You saw a lot of people striving to do better, be better. And it felt like a lot of doors were opening for people and they were doing their best to be better. Well, and I think I think they saw it was possible. Agreed. And I think what Pac actually, actually meant by this, we've all, as people of color, um, had, you know, something that we would circle around and talk to each other about, which is called the Blacklash, um, which is... Essentially, like, hey, we're going to free the slaves. No, you're not, because we're going to make all these laws. The backlash has always been America, white America's fear that they're losing something because we gain something. We gain our freedom, so they're losing something. Um, 
we have a black president. Holy shit. The world's coming to him. Obama's going to take her guns and he, you know, white man's not getting ahead anymore. Um, within the truth, if with the accumulated wealth of white America, it would almost take 145 years for black America to even catch up to the accumulated wealth of what a white America actually already has. But there is an inherent fear in white America that if black people get something, that means we must not have something. And equality is not a fucking pie. So because I get equal, more equal rights doesn't mean you get less pie because it's not a pie. (laughs) It's just equality. It means we're all treating each other the damn same. So there's nothing that you're losing by treating someone with respect. It actually is an old adage that, you know, for all the people, oh, I'm old school, I'm old school. Well, treating people with respect is very much an old school thing. And if you can't or dislike or don't want to hang out with somebody, you still treat someone with respect, you keep your mouth shut, and you go about your business. It's not this, I feel I have a right to dictate what other people's lives are about. And we're starting to see a lot of that bad behavior. Um, it seems like, you know, there's a term that is constantly thrown around snowflake, snowflake, snowflake. Uh, and now we're seeing a lot of bad behavior by the parents of the snowflakes. And, and I hate to say that it was like, but I was like, you know, no, I think we have a bad leadership and a bad example of what we we find in this country as acceptable behavior. And there definitely has been a, a group of people who have jumped in there and said, yeah, let's all act this way. But as the Black Lives Matters movement has went global, I think as a global society that we have started to all become, we're all saying in one fell swoop, no, we're done with this. We're done with this behavior. We're, we're done with this mindset. Um, we're intelligent enough to make our decisions for ourselves. We read books for ourselves. We look, I know my neighbors. I know people who don't look like me. And I know all that jazz and that bullshit that, you know, one side is trying to push and say, oh, they're all doing this and they're all doing that. Like, no, they're not. They're, they're you know, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's bent to confuse and keep us all pointing the fingers at each other. Um, and when you truly understand that, and, and I'm hoping more people will start to understand, it was like, whether you're black, white, purple, Asian, Mexican, or so forth, it doesn't really matter. The elite don't want you up there. Mm-mm. They want you fighting with the other person. So it is absolutely the stupidest thing in the world to turn to the guy next to you in a grocery store and blame the person standing next to you. You know what? I could have more if it wasn't for you. If you have that mindset, I need you to go home, look yourself in the mirror, and really just call yourself stupid. And, and maybe by having yourself a serious conversation with yourself, because when you're at home looking in your mirror, you're not arguing with somebody else. But the fact of the matter, if you're looking at someone standing next to you and saying they're the problem, yeah, stupid might be at the top of your list of calling yourself. Or maybe you say, you know what, I need to change because that isn't even logical. Taking the little something that someone standing next to me have is not going to put me on a much better path than what the fuck I'm on now.
Hmm. Understanding that we have elite that buy boats and put flags on uh, from other countries so they can avoid paying taxes in this country. We have some of those people in our current administration now. We have current administration that refuses to pay taxes. We have current administration that has bankrupt small businesses so they don't have to pay them and gotten away with it because they have better lawyers. So if you're a small businessman, if you're a a patriot of this country and you say, hey, that's not right. You pay what you owe when you, you do a job for somebody you expect if that's the way you were raised then you need to be looking at this current administration and saying, I'm going to do better. I'm going to vote because that is not how I was raised. I was raised with some respect and honor, and there's nothing honorable in that at all. And that is me on my soapbox. <laughs> that was quite the soapbox. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I think I think we need to tie up this, this particular topic. Yes. But we're going to do what we normally do at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to do that now at the end. So tell us, this week, what did you do to better your block? Absolutely. Again, you know, what we like to do is, even though uh, tying everything back together into a positive light, um, voting is something that we need to do to make sure that we have control of our blocks. Absolutely. Um, Making sure that our decisions that we want to make for our lives and our lives or family are best represented by us. And the things that we believe in and not fighting with each other. What I did to better my block today or this week, uh, we've been working hard on a greenhouse project. Um, And so, you know, we're in Texas, a lot of heat and dealing with the lights. (laughs) um, Greenhouse was was really cooking um, over the last couple months and so forth. So we spent some time on um, this week and we switched out our plastics. Um, made uh, put up a additional plastic to help uh, block some of the light. Um, happy to say our, our greenhouse is really coming down in temperature. We're actually really happy and stoked about that. Uh, brought my nephew in and we uh, taught him about some lighting and so forth. And we, we hung some lighting in our greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been checking our dirt and so forth. And we're getting ready to do some planting next week, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, so... What we're doing with our, what we've done to better our block is to make sure, all right, what we've done to better our block is we've gotten it ready to do some planning and do some really exciting things over the next week, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that as I, we have wicking beds in our greenhouse and we'll be doing some filling of those beds uh, as far as uh, breaking down the different striations and layers of um our dirt and so forth that are going in our wicking beds, but we're actually going to do a video on that uh, pretty soon, which is really a, a, an instructional and a how-to. So something you know anyone can you know take some of this stuff and actually do it for themselves in their backyard. Um, we want to again make sure that everyone is doing something positive to help better their block, and maybe by helping yourself even during this pandemic, be able to grow a little bit of food and stay out of the grocery stores. And and helping people to be able to uh, source some alternative food sources um, and do for yourself. Because what what a way to stick it to the man, essentially, of making it so that you're a little bit more self-sustainable 
um, by having your own, some of your own food source. And it doesn't have to be all of it. People think that they have to grow all their own food. They don't. Even if you have an apartment, if you've got a windowsill and you can grow some herbs in it, that's one less thing you're buying at the grocery store. And here's what it is. Everyone has something that they enjoy to eat. Huh. You know, some vegetable that they find fun or something like that, or they find a project that's fun. You have kids, you know, teach someone, teach a kid, teach a niece, teach a nephew, um, make it fun. Don't think of it as something that you're doing as something at work. The awesome part about it is you're putting money in your pocket. So yep. when you're thinking about, hey, maybe this be a, ah, this might be a little bit of work. Think about the money that you're not taking out of your pocket to hand to that cashier to buy it at a grocery store. You're now putting that money back into your pocket and you could potentially either pay off some debt or start a project for yourself. Absolutely. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I think it's been a great conversation this week. Um, it really is. And why I wanted to to really hone in on some of the things of the past is so one we don't repeat. Huh. Um, we 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 move forward and we start to focus on hey, voting is important, and that's something I actually need to uh, have some time with. So, with that said. Uh, as always, I wanted to thank you guys for stopping by the block. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want you guys to have a great week. And again, uh, thank you for coming back by the block. All right. See you, everybody. Rock and roll.